Luke chapter 19. I'm going to leave the Gospel of John for today. As I was preparing for that, I just wasn't there, wasn't in there. And um, this morning early, I was praying about it and wasn't there. And, and um, this is um, a difficult time for all of us, um, for the churches around the world, basically, because of this COVID and because of um, uh, the way, I think, by the way folks are handling this COVID. Um, I'm not a doctor, but I could play one on Facebook anytime I want. Uh, I have an opinion, uh, and I know a lot of doctors, um, and I know that there's differences of opinions, but it's a challenging time for us. I do a lot of reading on different ways of reaching people uh, today, and, and I keep going back to just the old-fashioned way uh, Jesus said to go out two by two and witness to people and to give them the gospel. Um, it still works. I remember several years ago, and I was pastoring in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and um, my other preacher brethren were kind of jealous, and they told me, said, you're not pastoring, you're on vacation. Uh, and I said, yeah, about every week. But it that was a tremendous ministry. I've enjoyed every church I've ever been in, but there in Gatlinburg, it was like having a new crowd every week to preach to because there in the church where I was at, we would have 60 to 80 visitors a Sunday, different people from all over the world. We'd have Amish, Mennonites, we'd have uh, different other faiths, if you want to call it that way, um, different other uh, denominations that would come in. And um, and so it, it was an uh, it was an amazing opportunity to reach people. It was an amazing opportunity to be able to preach to these folks. But um, but the responsibility that was there of just going out and just witness and visit. Um, I was at a conference when I was down there one time and. And uh, a fellow got up and said that the witnessing of the Bible, going out and knocking on people's doors, didn't work anymore. And there was a pastor from Sweetwater, Tennessee. Some of you probably heard of Sweetwater. A pastor that started a church there, and he didn't start it with other people's people. You see what I'm saying? He didn't get people from other churches and start a church. He went out and led people to the Lord and started a church there in that neighborhood. And at that particular time, they were running about 600 people. And he had led 99% of them to the Lord himself. And so he sat there, and there was a big group of his people in that uh, group 
of that conference when that man was standing up and said, it doesn't work anymore. It doesn't work. And so all of them wanted to get up and throw tomatoes at him. But after he got done, uh, and the fellow was standing up, you know, and people were bragging on him how well he did and all that, he went up to him and he said, you say it doesn't work any longer. But I would like for the ones that I brought with me that I have led to the Lord going knocking on their door to stand up. Would you all stand up? And about a hundred people stood up. And he said, you just told them what I did doesn't work any longer. But it does work. One-on-one witnessing, one-on-one telling somebody about Jesus works. I'm amazed today, too, at how many people are saved and never darken the door of a church. I am. I'm really, I'm amazed at how many people are going to heaven and never come to church. I'm amazed at that. I'm amazed at uh, how many people tell me that they're saved and, and don't live a life that is parallel with God's Word. I'm, I'm amazed at that. I'm amazed at the things that we see in people's lives of, of this week. Uh, God's been giving me a message, and I, I, really, uh, I really was, at 9.30 this morning, I was ready to come to church and say, I, I don't have a message, because I didn't have a clear understanding of what I was going to do today. And, but God's been giving me a message, and I've been wanting to preach it so bad I can't understand it, but it's not ready. It's not ready. But I think next week it might be ready. I think it might be ready. So we're going to do our best to try and make it ready if the Holy Spirit of God's in it. But I wanted to go to Luke this morning as God started putting something together for me to go back to a familiar verse of Scripture, that there's still a work to be done. I, I, in Gatlinburg, when we were there, uh, we were the fastest-growing Southern Baptist church in the state of Tennessee for three years in a row. God was blessing because of door-to-door visitation. Jenny and I was talking the other day, and I said, where's the Holy Spirit of God today? Where is He today in our lives? Where is He in the lives of other people? Is He gone? Jimmy Chapman, a friend of ours, a preacher friend of ours from down in the southern states, said he preached one Sunday morning and felt like he was all alone, that the Spirit of God had left him and left him alone. Where is the Spirit of God working in people's lives and in, in striving with people the way that he used to? Where is he in, in the leadership and in, in directing our paths and directing us to go to certain people and to, to speak to certain people? And there is that direction. There is that leading. There is that unction 
by the Spirit of God. In fact, we can see in Jesus' life, all through his ministry, that he would say things like, I must need to go here, or I must go there. And the disciples would question, why, why is he going in this direction? And Jesus would say, I'm about my father's business. I've got to go in this direction. And even in our lives as individuals today, even though we may work for a living, even though, and you all know preachers don't work for a living, right? Uh, okay, thank you all. Uh, uh, you know, I've been asked over the years, when are you going to get a real job? And so, uh, uh, but anyway, uh, wherever you're at, wherever you are going, wherever you are on your way, I believe with all of my heart that God directs our paths. Whether we're at play or whether we're at work or whether we're uh, just running around, whatever we're doing, that God is directing our paths. That we look at a, a situation, I, I'm not, please don't get me wrong, I don't believe in predestination to the point that I'm predestined to go to Walmart. In fact, I went to Walmart the other day and I saw something that's still in my mind. It's burning my eyeballs. I told Jenny I needed to pour gasoline in my eyes to get rid of it. Oh, I wish I hadn't remembered that. But I'm not saying that Everywhere I go, God wants me to go there, but I'm saying that everywhere I go, God's preparing something for me as I go. God knows my path, and so He's preparing somebody, and there's times in our lives to where God is directing us to go to a particular place. Now, I'll get to the Scripture here in just a moment, but uh, and I talked about Sweetwater, Tennessee, and I've told you all this story before. I wanted an XM radio when they first came out. You all know what XM radios are. Back then, Sirius and XM radio were two different companies. XM radio, I liked what their programming was, and, um, and so I liked their radios, and I wanted an XM radio. I wanted one really bad. Do you all know how bad I wanted one? Really bad. Really bad. Um, I would drive out of the way to go look at one. And I looked at several, and, and Flying J Truck Stops, they had XM radios. They were about the only one at that time, truck stops were selling for truckers because they're, they're really neat. Have any of you ever had one of those satellite radios? You can drive 5,000 miles and pick up the same radio station all the way through. You don't keep having to adjust the radio dial. You can, you can set out from home and drive to California and listen to the same radio station. And I love the gospel music that was on there. 
that gospel music channel. Man, you, you, you didn't have to go down the road and then it start fading out and you couldn't hear the end of the song. There you could hear the end of the song. Do you get the point? I wanted an XM radio. Jenny and I was heading to Atlanta. God said, go to uh, Sweetwater. Go over uh, to the Flying J truck stop. Don't tell me he didn't tell me to do it. I know he did. Just so happened they had an XM radio. But God was telling us to go to the Flying J truck stop. And, and Jenny and I talked about it a couple of times. We were on 411 going south to Atlanta. And Flying J truck stops over on route... Interstate 75 South going to Atlanta, and it was about 30 or 40 miles over to the interstate, and then to go south a little ways, and God kept telling us, go to Flying J Truck Stop. Go look at your XM radio, because he knew I would not go for any other reason. I didn't need diesel fuel. But God said, go to Flying J Truck Stop. Jenny and I talked about it a little bit, and I said, baby, let's just go over to Flying J Truck Stop. Let's go look at those XM radios. And while I was looking for XM radios, Jenny led a little girl to the Lord in the, in the lobby in the shopping area there where the gift section is, is of Flying J Truck Stop. A little girl that had six weeks to live and was dying of cancer. There had been times in our lives that God has directed our paths to go in certain places, in certain ways, and we need to be sensitive to that. And every one of us, I believe every one of us sitting here today, if you might be just going to the post office, God might say, I want you to stop by Family Dollar for a moment. I don't need to go to Family Dollar, but there's somebody in Family Dollar that needs to hear what you have to say. If we could understand this and how important this is to not have to be so religious that we're obnoxious, but to be so heavenly minded that God can use us here on earth. There was somebody that heard in chapter 19 of the book of St. Luke that they had heard that Jesus was coming by that he was coming by their place, and the crowd had already started to gather on, and, I, and if I'd have preached in John this morning, and I already had it studied out and ready to go, the Pharisees of the day were mad at Jesus uh, there after he healed that lame fella that was had an infirmity of the flesh, and they went to the lame guy and said, uh, said, who told you to take up your bed and walk? They didn't ask him who healed him. They didn't ask him who, who delivered him from the sickness that he had. They wanted to know who told him to take up his bed and walk because he did it on the Sabbath day. Sometimes we get so clouded by the things that are around us that we don't pay any attention to what the main thing is. The main thing is that we need to tell people about Jesus. And, and he said, well, I, I don't know what his name was, but he told me to get up and walk and take my bed with me. So that's what I did. And do you realize that, if, if that for the person, and I'm not going to go back there and preach that message. I'll preach it sometime maybe. But the, that the penalty for telling somebody to work 
and, and constraining somebody to pick up their mat, according to the Pharisees, was stoning to death. Sometimes we're more concerned about the physical things than we are the spiritual things, rather than asking Him, who healed you? Who made you walk? Who helped you out? Who helped you spiritually? And, and later on, if you'll see, uh, Jesus met him in the temple, and, and, he, and he, he, they talked there for a little bit, and he said, you're the one that healed me. And Jesus said, yeah, go and sin no more. Don't sin anymore. It might get worse in your life. There's people out here that may not know the answers and may not know all that they need to know, but, but the crowd was gathering here uh, along the road as Jesus was passing by a road, and Zacchaeus gets up in this tree, and all of you know this very familiar story, and he wants to hear from Jesus. He's a tax collector after all. He's the scum of the earth basically in that day. Uh, and maybe even in our day, uh, he, that he is a tax collector. Uh, he is a sinner. He is a thief. He is a manipulator. He is a robber. He is somebody who the, the society does not like. He's working for the government. He's there, and nobody, but he wants to get up in the tree and see this man called Jesus. Every day of our lives, we're going somewhere that somebody needs to see Jesus. Somebody needs to hear from Jesus. Somebody needs to know Jesus. Somebody needs to be able to hear the message of Christ. Somebody needs to know the love of Christ. Somebody needs to know that he cares about them. Somebody needs to know that. I'm wondering where the Spirit of God is, that uh, as we sow the seed of faith in people's lives, as we, as we sow the seed of the gospel in people's lives, I know, I know this, so don't, don't, don't think I don't know this. I know that the Spirit of God is everywhere, but the Spirit of God lives within the saved individual's life. The Spirit of God takes up a vote here. The, the Spirit of God is not in an unsaved individual's life. The Spirit of God does not live in an ungodly, unsaved individual. He lives in us. And so in that essence, He's not everywhere. He's everywhere you and I are. Now, and when the seed of the gospel is planted, the Holy Spirit can take that seed and create faith. When the preaching of the gospel is given, when the Word of God is given and preached to a people, the Spirit of God can take that seed and create faith. He can operate in somebody's life in faith or through faith. And so... As the Word of God is given, it's no wonder that people are cold and, and indifferent because they've not been given the Word of God. I'm, I'm here to tell you, we don't need to go out and tell people about doctrine as far as baptism or eternal security or sanctification or justification 
uh, we need to be telling people about salvation. We need to be telling people about the love of Christ, what it takes to be born again. Uh, Lazarus, or excuse me, Zacchaeus could have said to the people, I'm not going out there because I've done so much wrong in my life. God never saved me for what I've done. God never forgive me for what I've done. I think about the sinner that, that came into the synagogue and into the house of God. And the Pharisee was standing up front around the altar. And he was saying, thank God I'm not like everybody else. And he may have pointed to a few of them. Thank God I'm not like this one or that one. Thank God I fast every day or I fast every week. Thank God I give my tithes on a regular basis. Thank God I'm not doing what these other people are doing. Thank you that I'm not like all of these other people. And then we find a sinner at the back door on his face before God saying, God, I'm not worthy to approach your bench. I'm not Oh, glory. I'm not worthy to come to your place. I'm not worthy to stand where the Pharisee is standing. God, would you forgive me and would you heal me? And Jesus said, which one of them do you think, in Fudge Creek terms, which one of them do you think that I heard their prayer? This self-righteous idiot standing up. Oh, he didn't really say that. But from Fudge Creek, we would have said that. That self-righteous individual that's standing here in front, thanking God he's not like everybody else, or the one that's in the back thanking, uh, asking God and begging God to forgive him of his sin and that he's not worthy to approach him and glory to God. Jesus said, the one in the back got my prayer. The one in the back got my attention. The one in the back got my, uh, uh, I stood up and listened to that one. I want you to know something. God does not like a self-righteous prayer. God does not, he wants to hear a sinner's prayer. Uh, he wants to hear a sinful attitude. He wants to hear an individual who's got remorse and, and conviction or chastisement in his life. Zacchaeus didn't say, oh, I've done too much for God to forgive me of. I've heard that over and over and over. But when the Spirit of God is drawing, you say, where did he get that? Somewhere along the line, somebody, uh, Zacchaeus may have heard Jesus speak before, I don't know. Somewhere along the line, Zacchaeus had heard enough to where the Spirit of God could take and prick. Do you think it was Zacchaeus all on his own that wanted to approach Jesus? No. The Bible tells me, you've not sought me, I sought you out. You've not come to me, I've came to where you are. Uh, uh, there was a writer, uh, I've just lost his name. Squire Parsons wrote a song, When I could not come to where you are, he came to me. Glory to God uh, that he comes to where we are. We, we don't approach him. He approaches us. But then after we get saved, 
He says that we can approach him boldly and come to the throne of grace with boldness and unashamed. And we don't have to stand in the back and say, forgive me, I'm a sinner. We can come to him boldly and say, thank God, I am a child of the living God. I'm a, I'm, I don't know about you all, but I'm glad I didn't preach the message I wanted to. Uh, I'm a child of the living God. I'm the, I'm the born again. I'm born again. I'm saved, I'm forgiven, I'm washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. Zacchaeus could have said, I'm not worthy. And we'd all had to say, you're right, Zacchaeus, you're not worthy. As he gets up in that tree, people were amazed that Jesus would even talk to Zacchaeus. People were amazed that Jesus would even go to his house and eat with him. And Jesus said in verse 10 there, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Why do you question what he's doing? Jesus could say, why do you question what I'm doing? Because I came to seek and to save those that are lost. Is Zacchaeus lost? Everybody say, <laughs> sure is. Yeah, he's lost. Yeah, he's lost. He's pitiful situation. He is lost. I come to seek and to save him. Are we lost before we get saved? Yes, we are. Jesus came to seek and to save us where we are, what we're involved with. What we're doing, I've had I don't know how many people tell me I can't get saved now because Jesus uh, can't forgive me of what I've done. I've done too much. And I'll say to them, is the Holy Spirit of God dealing with you? Is he drawing you? Is your heart beating fast? Are you anxious? Do you feel a pressure within you? Do you feel an unction within you to get right with God? Do you feel something moving you toward God? Do you feel something drawing you toward God? Yes, I do. Now say, that's what Jesus is doing for you right now. He's showing you right now. He loves you where you are. He loves you in what you're doing. He wants to save you where you are. He don't want to save you after you think you've cleaned yourself up. You can't clean yourself up. If you could clean yourself up, Jesus wouldn't have died on the cross of Calvary. If you could have changed your life, Jesus wouldn't have hung there and took the sins of the world upon his shoulder. If you could have done anything to get right with God, Jesus wasted his time on the cross. Do you get it? There's nothing we can do to get saved. There's nothing we can do to be worthy of getting saved. There's nothing we can do to stay saved. There's nothing we can do to earn salvation. Jesus did it all. Somebody ought to wave a hanky and praise him this morning. It's all because of him and nobody else. It's through his precious blood. We're not worthy, but he has made us worthy. Zacchaeus, I'm, I'm going to try and hurry and get you all out of here early. Amen. Oh, boy, now you're lighting up. Paying attention now, aren't you? 
paying attention. Now. But Zacchaeus, they go to his house. They go to his house, and, and, and they're sitting around, and Zacchaeus says, uh, and I, I, now it doesn't say this, but I'll guarantee you, uh, now, and I, I kind of relate it to, Jason and I, we've been talking to Alita, some, and I'm going to start a podcast, and I'm going to talk about Fudge Creek. In fact, I'm going to call it, Jason and I, we, we kind of made this determination, Up the Creek. Huh? Up the Creek. Because I talk about Fudge Creek a lot. So we're gonna, I'm going to call it Up the Creek. And we're going to talk about Fudge Creek and life and perspective from a Fudge Creek outlook or from a Fudge Creek point of view. And, and, and being from Fudge Creek, have you ever sat in a room to where you knew you'd done something wrong and, and mom or dad was sitting there and they're not saying anything to you and you're sitting there sweating bullets because you know it's coming? Huh? You know what I'm talking about? You're, and you're sweating bullets thinking, hurry up and beat me and get it over with. Just do something, get it over with. Just say something, get it over with. And then you sit there for a little while. I, I, got, a, I got a picture in my mind that Zacchaeus is sitting there, Jesus is sitting over there eating, and Zacchaeus said, when's he going to tell me about all the bad things I've done? When's he going to tell me that I'm a pitiful person? When's he going to tell me all this stuff? When's he going to unload on me? And so Zacchaeus speaks up and he says, I've been a bad person all my life. Now, that's not exactly what he said there, but, but he said, I, I've, been, I've been pretty bad. Um, and, I, and I've taken from people. I've robbed people. I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give back fourfold. I'm going to give back... I'm going to give back more than I took. Now, you know, when Jesus comes on the scene and when he gets in, in the room with you and when the Holy Spirit of God starts to deal with you, you'll confess things that you've done years ago that you didn't think anybody else knew about. But he does. You'll, you'll, you'll dump everything. You'll, you'll spill the beans on everything. You'll, you'll confess everything. You'll deal with everything. And Jesus already knows that. And, and Zacchaeus, uh, that day, in, in verse 8, he said, I'll restore to him fourfold. And Jesus said, because of Zacchaeus' response, because of what the Spirit of God was doing in Zacchaeus' life, salvation is come to this house today because of the confession of sin, because of the dealing with sin, because of the profession of sin. Jesus Christ had made an impact in Zacchaeus' life. And the only thing he said, come down. For today I must abide in thy house. And Jesus sitting there in his house with him, Zacchaeus spilled the beans. He just told it, said it. Just the presence of Christ in his life made a difference 
in his outlook, made a difference in his being, made a difference in his attitude, made a difference in his job. I always figured the best way to rip Norm over here, you don't work here no more, do you, brother? You're retarded now, aren't you? Paroled, got paroled. I'm, are you wearing an ankle bracelet? Uh, but, uh, <laughs> ball and chain, right? Oh, I'm sorry, Judy. I uh, Norman pointed at her. It wasn't me. But, uh, but I say the best way to clear out prisons and rehabilitate people is get them saved. Amen. Give them the gospel. Norman can tell you, the Muslim religion's in there thick, Jehovah Witnesses in there thick, other religions are in there thick, all kinds of stuff's in there thick. That's not going to change an individual. The gospel is the only thing that will change an individual. That might make them religious, but that won't get them saved. That might make them religious, but that won't change their attitudes or outlooks or anything else about them. You give them the gospel and get them saved, you'll make good citizens out of them. In fact, you go out into this community, if there's somebody in this community that's giving you problems, or there's somebody out in this community that's a drunkard or, or whatever else, drug addict, you get them saved, and that'll change their life. You get Jesus on them, and you get Jesus in them, and you get Jesus around them, it'll change them. Did he change you? Amen? Did he change your life? Did he change you when you got saved? Did he do something in your life? Is his presence with you? Does it make a difference in your life? Are you better than what you were before you got saved? You might not be perfect. But are you better now than what you were when you first got saved? Jesus makes a difference. And if he doesn't make a difference, you don't have Jesus. You don't. Because he is the way maker. He is the difference in our lives. He is the difference in our society. Where is the Spirit of God? working in people's lives today. I believe that he's in us. But we're just not giving it out to other people. And I didn't mean giving it, the Spirit out, the Word of God out to other people. Giving the Word to people, sowing the seed in people's lives to where the Spirit of God can convict and draw and save. Where is the Spirit of God that would motivate somebody when they heard that Jesus is coming by to climb a tree to hear the Word of God? I'll never forget. I was in, first time I went to Jamaica back in 1978, 79 maybe. Somewhere, Jamaica. I preached in, during the day, 
and I preached at night. And typically we'd preach in one church a couple of nights and go to another church a couple of nights and go to another church a couple of nights. But one day I was preaching and we was preaching outside at Over River Orange. And that's the name of the church. And the reason why it was named that, because you had to go over the River Orange to get to it. So they called it Over River Orange. It was on that river that I led some ladies to the Lord that was washing their clothes on stones. And I gave them little boxes of Tide. Remember those little boxes you used to get, sample boxes? I'd give them those and I'd begin to witness to them and tell them about Jesus. And right there on the side of the river, right there in the water, they'd profess Christ as their personal Savior. But there at Over River Orange, I was preaching outside and about three or four Jamaican boys climbed up in a tree there in the front yard of that church and sat up there on a limb listening to me preach. My mind went back to Zacchaeus. There was such a crowd, they couldn't see me from the ground. And believe me, I must have blended in with the ground because I was the only white guy there. And they wanted to get a better look. And after I got down, all three or four of them, I can't remember exactly how many, came down and gave their heart to Jesus Christ. And I, I thought... Wow. Jesus is even up a tree. He was walking by the road, but his presence was up a tree. Zacchaeus, if we could just think for a moment, as Jesus was maybe speaking and as things were going by, and Jesus stops there for a moment and looks up in that tree and said, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down. I'm going to your house today. But I didn't clean it. It's a mess. Jesus could have said, I know it's a mess. It's dirtier than you think. But I'm going to your house today. I believe there's people in this community, in this neighborhood... That if Jesus would pass by in us and give them an invitation, an invite to share the gospel, I believe it would change their lives. I believe it would do something miraculous in their life. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Church, in all of the mess that the world is in right now, there's still a job to do. There's still people that are lost. There's still people that need to be saved. There's still a job to do. I preached these verses before. And I've given an illustration of how do we get the job done. We've got to hear the cry, first of all. Do you know people in this neighborhood that are lost? Do you know people around you in your community, your next-door neighbors that are lost?
without Christ. They may be so involved in everything else around them. They may be, and it's hard to hear the cry. It's hard to hear. But deep down inside, there's things wrong. I see you on Facebook every now and then. I can tell when somebody's got something wrong by what they post on Facebook. Just within my friends, within my family, I can tell when something's wrong. When we go to a checkout counter, whether it's Food City or wherever it might be, I can tell. I stood in Clintwood Lumber down here praying with a little girl at the checkout there behind the plastic one day because she was troubled. I could tell she was troubled. You can tell. I'm not the only one. I, there's nothing spiritual about me that I'm, I'm super spiritual. You can tell when you walk up to somebody whether they're down and out. You can tell. Hey, man, you can, can't you tell? Well, you know, it might be good just say, can I pray for you? Can, is there anything I can pray for you about? Can I, can I just go to God on your behalf today to hear the cry? Even though most people are wearing a mask today in businesses, wherever you go, you can still see it in their eyes. There's trouble to hear the cry. The second one was to heed the call. God's moving you. You know, I, I went to go get something in particular, but that wasn't really the reason why God wanted me there. God wanted me there to pray for that girl. I went to go buy something somewhere else, but that wasn't really the reason why God wanted us there. He wanted us there to pray with or tell somebody about Christ. Look at it in that way. You may not believe it that way, but look at it in that way. You might be going somewhere to do something else, but on the way, God says, I need you to stop by here for a moment. I need you to just take a minute. Look into the eyes of somebody. See the hurt. See the confusion. See the need. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Stand with me, please. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed just for a moment. As I was speaking those words, I looked around this congregation and I saw within the eyes of people looking back at me needs. I saw the concern in your eyes. I saw something there in a lot of you. I don't know what that is, but God knows. God knows exactly what it is. And I want to give the invitation this way. I, I hope all of you are saved. I don't know your hearts. I don't, don't know your hearts. If you're not saved, I beg you to get saved. I, I beg you to come to Christ. I beg you with everything that's in me 
to admit that you're a sinner, believe that Christ died for you, and confess Him as your Savior. That's If God's drawing you, if that was what was in your eyes, if that's what was on your face, God's speaking to your heart, please respond to Christ. If you're here this morning and you're in need of prayer, there's folks here in this church that want to pray with you and want to pray for you, want to share your burden, not judge you, not belittle you, not talk about you, but pray for you. If you're here, you say, Preacher, I have a need in my life. I need prayer. And I want somebody to pray with me. We'll social distance. We'll be careful. We'll, we, we'll do whatever we need to do. But, but I want you to know that if you'll come forward and kneel here in the front or stand here in the front, somebody will come with you and stand with you or kneel with you if you have a need. Because Christ came to take care of needs. That's what he came for. So I'm going to ask you, if God's dealing with your heart, you need prayer, and you like someone to pray with you, if you need to confess sin, if you need to be saved, whatever it is, whatever it is, I'm asking you to come. As we sing a verse of song, would you come? Number four.